Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, you can visit us at yesodblocks.com, a platform that we are developing that is growing every day with more subscribers and more content. And you can support what we're doing by subscribing there for only $9.99 a month and getting access to a ton of Torah content that is on this level of this series as well as much higher levels. You can actually really grasp, learn, absorb the Torah frameworks that are at work underneath all of the halachos that we are operating with in this series. And if you've been listening to the series, you already know that the purpose of this particular podcast series is to explore the halachos of the Shulchan Aruch, halacha by halacha, and to illustrate how there are layers and layers and layers of depth of Kabbalah, Machshava concepts that are operating underneath, and that halacha is not supposed to just be some kind of rote system that you just fulfill and just do what it says, and that way you're doing the right thing without ever knowing what the right thing is for, what the purpose of all of this is. And similarly, if you're someone who is very spiritual and plugged into a lot of the Kabbalah concepts, now you can learn how to actually do the halacha, how to express practically all of the spiritual concepts that the Torah embodies, that is by far the most sophisticated map of spiritual, internal, intangible elements, attributes of our lives, of ourselves. You can learn how to manifest them in a practical way through the world of halacha, and that is what we're trying to do, hit both ends of that, the halachic side, learning the halacha deeply, and trying to be both practical and profoundly connected on a deep level to the underlying layers of Hashem's reality that we are currently living within. We are in Siman Nun Aleph, and that is uh, section 51, Halacha halacha Vav, which is a very short halacha, but uh, often with these types of halachos, there's a mountain, an iceberg situation where just the tip of the iceberg is visible, and there are many layers underneath. So the halacha here says is, Tzarich Laf Sik, that a person must, must pause and stop in the language uh, that we say as part of the the psukim of psuke uh, de zimra. There's a there's a there's a particular phrase that you have to stop in the middle between two parts of the phrase. Where the phrase what it actually says is kikol elohei ha'amim elilim. All of the the powers, all of the gods. Uh, of the nations are Elilim, which means they're, they're, we'll try to describe that word a little more clearly in a second, but they're basically uh, powers that are dis, disconnected from the larger framework. In other words, the ways that the other nations look at the concepts of the divine, and we're, we're going to have to give some background to this, uh, is very fragmented. Vashem Shamay Masa, but Hashem, whose name is Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey, is the one who created uh, the skies, the heavens, the Shamayim. So there's a lot of different things here that we need to unpack. Uh, to just give the background to what this halacha is. But the main idea is that when you say that phrase, so the way that phrase could be read is that all of the gods of the nations are elilim vahashem, and so is Hashem. And so because the, the way the, the phrase is written, you could accidentally put the comma in the wrong place, you could end up reading it as if Hashem is actually included in the group of powers of forces that are called Elilim, that are these, these we'll call them for now, I guess, idols or something like that. Um, so you can basically end up articulating verbally a statement that is actually conveying a, a perception of Hashem that is distorted and, and inaccurate, and that will then lead to, the, the, the whole process of Sukkot Zimra is essentially about trying to, and really all of the Sidur's tools where we're saying all these phrases and words, is to activate this circle where you basically articulate the words out loud, you then observe them and think about them, just like we do with any conversation that we're in, and then you can actually install the concepts that those words that you're saying trigger more deeply into your mind, into your perceptual space, into the world of your day, 
and the world of Urbino will then uh, will build that out further and you can actually really grasp it at a deeper level. That's what we're trying to do when we say these, these types of phrases. So in this particular case, the phrasing has some embedded problems because it refers to um, these other forces, these what's called Elohei Ha'amim. So you'll notice the word Elohei Ha'amim, the words, uh, the word Elohei, in, in this context, refers to these forces that other peoples look to as their as their stabilizers. Now, this is all in reference to what's called the concept of Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah often is thought of today as some kind of weird thing. It basically, it means idol worship, and the idea is that in the past, people were really, really dumb. That's how, that, that is how it's usually described culturally. There's this idea that, well, people back in the day, they just didn't really understand things. They're very primitive, and so they did Avodah Zarah. They used to look at, like, the, you know, they would build statues, and they would say, this statue is my god, or they'd have certain trees, and They'd say, this tree is my God, and this tree created the world, uh, or something like that, and then they would um, they would bow down to those things, and, and the description of this, the way it's usually discussed today especially, is that we have this perception that people in the past were much more primitive, much more archaic, and then back then, so Judaism was this thing which came around, and it was much more uh, sophisticated, and it was like, well, actually, there's really only one God, and, you know, not many different powers, and something along those lines, but actually, that entire conception uh, is almost it's almost um, unbelievable to the degree that it, it deviates from the actual the actual truth of what happened and the truth as it is articulated in the Torah itself. In other words, you might not want to believe uh, things that are described in the Torah. That's fine, but at least to know what the Torah describes, what the Torah says, is the, is what is what happened. I mean, that description is so is so primitive and superficial that it's almost unbelievable that it's even something which has has become so. Uh, popularize in the Jewish world, at least, uh, and also in the secular world, this idea that, you know, 2,000 years ago, people were super primitive and knew nothing. I mean, it's really unbelievable, and I'll just show why I'm saying that. So, the framework uh, of the Torah, in terms of the structure of reality underneath the things that we see, is actually an area that is currently under heavy exploration in the world of science. So, here's what I'll describe. So, um, the concept of Elohim and Elohei Ha'amim basically makes the claim that the there is this, this framework of translation uh, of Hashem's self, this intangible self, through a series of phases and stages to then manifest as the tangible, finite world that we experience. The question that's being dealt with with this map is how do we have a situation in which there is something which is immeasurable, intangible, utterly uh, not finite in any way, somehow ultimately gives rise to reality in its finite form. Because the Torah does not claim that there is some guy in the sky who is just over there and make and creates stuff with like magical powers. The Torah has an entire map and system of how this happens and what creation actually is on, an, on, an, on a fundamental level, which itself correlates dramatically with the world of science. The world of science is actually pretty behind the Torah map of things to a, in, 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 a way, in a way that I'll show in a second. Um, but the the main question that the Torah deals with in the mapping out of the layers of reality is how do you take that which is utterly intangible and then manifest it in a fragmented, discrete, tangible, diverse, multiplicitous form? How do you do that? What's the process by which that happens? And so the Torah actually lays out an entire system to, to describe that. And that system can be, there are, there are pieces to it that are directly analogous to the way that you're structured, the way that you're laid out also, because the same mystery applies to human beings. In other words, we are intangible selves, and somehow we have this bridge that we can use to translate our intangible self, the sense that you are someone. Your consciousness is somehow linked to your body, and you're able to activate your body in a way that we have no understanding 
understanding of the the, the mind body connection is unknown and is being explored, but the reason why it's unknown is because one end of that connection, the mind side, the consciousness side, is not measurable. It's not something which you can really measure in a, in a concrete, empirical way. It's something which is clearly very real. We build our entire lives around it. All of our relationships are fundamentally predicated on the idea that there is someone else uh, across the way coming through that other body, but there is no real way empirically to measure the self, to measure consciousness. And so the the same the same problem of intangible becoming tangible that exists in the in the mind body relationship is also true in the in the general physical universe. The Torah describes that there is this intangible endless consciousness that we call Hashem that is that is the behind the scenes of all of reality and is manifest as reality somehow somehow uh, is able to fragment itself into the diversity that we experience in the world. Uh, while still remaining unified as one, it's kind of like if you if you uh, if you're if, if you're if you're imagining a person in your mind, a world in your mind. So, and let's say there's millions of people that you imagine on this world, and you give them all lives, and you basically just you know you construct a whole imaginary place. Well, that entire place is all made up of you. There is nothing in it that is not an aspect of you, and it's all unified within you. Uh, but if you were living it from the perspective of one of the beings that was inside of that world, then you'd look around and say, wow, there's me, and there's that other person, and that other person, and so there's all these these separations that are perceived within the framework. So that's what we're talking about here, that Hashem, uh, that's, how, that's how creation essentially is manifest. It is this, this dynamic of intangible being fragmented and translated into the tangible. So the world of science, it is very, it, you could think of it as an analogy, the world of science is very focused on that which is measurable because that's easier to focus on. It's similar to how it's very easy to talk about doing things when you're in a relationship. Let's talk about what we are doing today. What did we do yesterday? What happened? That's we, we often have conversations like that as filler and as distractions from the more difficult conversations that we know we need to have, where we talk about what we're feeling and what we're thinking and how we see the world and how we see each other and all the distortions that get embedded there and learning to actually understand each other more deeply and clearly. It's much easier to just talk about what we did and what we're doing because that's just very measurable. It's very easy to see that and to discuss it and, and compare it. It's similar to the way that it's very easy to teach halacha in the world. In the in all the Jewish education institutions, people teach a lot of halacha because it's super easy to do. All you have to do is tell people what you're supposed to do, and then when they don't do it, they get called out, and that's it. And that's a super easy way to live, just like it's easy to teach kids what to do when they're like five years old. It's much harder to actually teach somebody when they're 15 or 20 how to think about life, how to figure out who they are, how to analyze their feelings, how to face their fears, how to discuss their deep inner thoughts and confusions. That's the area of life that's by far the most rewarding, also the most difficult to do because it's so much less measurable and so much more intangible and murky. And so analogous to that is also the underlying realities behind the scenes of the measurable scientific world and the scientific level. So the worlds of chemistry and biology, that's where we have a lot of detail. We have a lot of ability to measure what's going on. And it basically, all of that comes from a series of underlying truths that are far more difficult to understand. But on the surface level, it's like, okay, so the way that proteins are formed and the way that there's chemical reactions and covalent bonds and these things give rise to the diversity of, of the body and the different organisms and different different organs and different areas systems of the body so we can really tease all that apart underneath all of that there's a system of forces electromagnetic forces nuclear forces gravitational forces these forces are all intangible essentially in other words we can describe what they how they impact the tangible world we can indirectly describe them by saying gravity this invisible intangible thing that we call a force well 
it causes this visible, tangible, measurable thing to move from here to there. So that's, you know, that we, we can measure that movement and then indirectly we can make statements about the gravitational force, what it does. But what it is on the level of essence, why it's like that, why there's something called electromagnetic force, why electricity works the way that it does, why there are polarities, all these ideas, there is no understanding of them because they are not tangible. These are not measure, these, these are not uh, tangible entities that we can point to and say that thing is the force of gravity. So what that means is that just just to clarify this, all of the diversity biologically, chemically in the world, it literally comes from the the different dances that are instigated by electromagnetic forces and nuclear forces. I mean, that's what gives rise to the variance in things like proteins and different atomic constructions. These are all a result of these intangible phenomena that we have no understanding of. And it's not, I don't mean we have no understanding like oh, that somehow proves that God exists, like a God of the gaps idea or something. I, I'm not interested in that at all in this discussion, not, not even a little. The point I'm making now is that those underlying forces are intangible, and yet they are they are what gives rise to the tangible universe that we're constantly interacting with. And it's much easier to talk about the, the tangible sides, uh, which is why we have such a plethora of scientific knowledge about that. But the underlying truths that are there, the intangible layers, I mean, that's what all of science is grappling with now. I mean, the world of physics is, is in a certain way struggling, I don't say falling apart, but really is struggling deeply with the underlying forces, the extremes, the world of quantum mechanics, and how it intersects with the world of gravity. And these are serious, serious problems that are directly analogous, correlating to the same problem in the world of consciousness, the hard problem of consciousness in the scientific world. What exactly is consciousness, and how can it be that it links to something which is finite? And so all of these these questions are all part of the, the same larger map the Torah, the Torah outlines. The Torah does less work uh, on, the, on the side of the the measurable, uh, let's let's give you, you know, a framework of proteins and, and atoms, uh, but the world of science is building that out quite effectively, and it's really an, just an extension of Torah because it's just true measurable phenomena, but the, the world of Torah has a massive and super sophisticated map of all these intangible things, and that's going to be the key to the, the next stage of human evolution, presumably, is understanding the underlying truths that are here and actually finding Hashem instead of just thinking about it as, oh, God is some guy over there. And so that's really what this is about. We talk about Hashem, when, it's, when we say here, the concept of, of Avodah Zarah is actually much more sophisticated than the way people think today. People, people kind of got rid of these religious ideas because religion is this dogmatic set of constructs that you have to just believe X, Y, Z things. But Torah was never a religion and it was never dogmatic. It was a picture of reality that you could actually understand and analyze and discuss. And so the... The, it used to be that you know a few thousand years ago, people were actually super sophisticated in terms of uh, awareness of consciousness and awareness that consciousness was something which was vibrating through all of reality. And the Torah was the map of that. And then people began, because of the Eitzada story, uh, the, the capacity for distorting our perceptions in sync with our own personal preferences, people started to say, well, you know what? I think I actually would rather just pay attention to just a certain part of consciousness and reality because it's too overwhelming to really face the truth that underneath everything there is this one self. So they would basically pick out something which would act as like a talisman, like a, like a representation of the underlying truth and say, this is my access point to the root consciousness. And eventually that, that then morphed over the generations to this actually is the root consciousness. This is all that really matters. And people began to, to fragment reality and break it apart 
which is exactly the same thing as objectifying a person. It's like, it's very easy to, to, to objectify other people because we don't really want to get to know them deeply. It's a lot of work, a lot of exposure, a lot of vulnerability. So we pick some attribute of them and say, oh, this is the way that I'm going to focus on you. You're this, you're that. And we, or we pick a few attributes and that makes it easier for us to, to receive a person and to relate to somebody. But it's exactly the same thing I said earlier. It's much easier to be superficial and to not dig into the deeper spaces. And so that's what Avodah Zarah actually is. And and, and as time passed, it became more and more rejected, and there were reasons why that cultural trend happened. Um, and there's actually a lot more to say about Avodah Zarah in general, how Hashem basically, in a certain way, removed people's awareness of consciousness to some degree to reduce the damage of Avodah Zarah. But Avodah Zarah was a very advanced system, not a primitive one. And so here we're talking about, we're saying the ways that other nations at that time uh, viewed the forces of existence was in a fragmented way. Elohei ha'amim elilim. The, the word Elohei means literally plurality of forces. And and we're saying that there's these, that Hashem himself is is the source of all these forces. He's the real Elohim. He's Baal HaKochot Kulam, which is what the Shulchan Aruch calls him. And so, as we saw in an earlier episode, um, that Hashem is the, the master of all forces. So, and the the other nations, they look, to, they look to particular forces and say, that's my Elohim, that's my force that I look to to stabilize my life, to anchor myself in. So we're saying here that all of those are Elilim, they are, they are distortions, they are fragments. Vashem Shamayim Asai, Yod and Hei and Vav and Hei, the one self that is behind all being, that is the manifestation of all reality, that is that is the source of the, the layers of being that we call the Shamayim, which, which we're not going to explain now what Shamayim is, but it literally translates as the sky, it really means the endless the endlessness that is beyond, but we'll, we'll leave that out for now. Uh, but the point is that that they're talking about Elohei uh, Ha'amim, these fragmented forces that are actually Elilim, that are that are not full pictures of the story. But Hashem is the one who is the source of this, the 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 bigger truth of reality. And so that's what this phrase is about, and that's what we're trying to access when we say it. And so there's really a whole story there that's really underneath that. And and uh, and on a simpler level, we still do have some basic amount of of, uh, of Avodah Zarah type things that we do today, but this is really talking about the resonance that once was for consciousness that would allow us to access it at a very deep level, and then sometimes also distort it. So you can have your own Avodah Zarah today in small forms where you try to stabilize yourself in politics or the news or a particular relationship is like your source of stability, and that can also end up getting to the same place in certain ways, but the true Avodah Zarah that once was is profoundly different, profoundly sophisticated, and was actually, in many ways, was above where we are today, where today we're much less sensitive to consciousness because we have filled our lives with measurable phenomena and constantly try to shut up the quiet voice inside us that tells us that there is something more behind all of this uh, and that we want to just kind of fill ourselves with things that are more practical and measurable to, to ignore that, both in our relationships, in the scientific world, in our lives. But there are many who are realizing there's much more and in the scientific world itself. I mean, there's just so much focus on these areas that are underneath that are intangible because people really do see that in order to understand the the regular things that we're studying in science we really have to be able to at least have some kind of working understanding of the underlying forces that are intangible and yet so fundamental to the way things work so i hope that was clear thanks so much for tuning in for joining check us out at yourselfbluff.com and subscribe today to support what we're doing and looking forward to having you join me in the next episode